Tim Challies is with us, and I have been so looking forward to connecting with him. Mm. Uh, this book that he has written, it's called Seasons of Sorrow, um, is very, very powerful. It, it's such an honest look at grief and fears and faith and hope. It's all of these things. And not only that, but uh, I have been a big fan of Tim's blog for years and years and years. Kate, you also read his blog, don't you? Yes, yeah. And I love this book. Yeah. It is special. It 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 is is. special. There are books that are good. There are books that are enjoyable. Then there are books that are important. Now, Mm -hmm. the important books are not many, to be honest with you. I mean, these are the books that are, are just so exceptional that you have to say, okay, they deserve to be in their own category. And I believe that Tim has written one of those books, Seasons of Sorrow. Everyone should get one, I think. Okay, we've got a chance for you to win a Mm -hmm. copy of the book coming up this hour. Tim, good morning. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. You betcha. Okay, so let's talk about the, uh, the background of the book, which is... Really, it's it's holy ground. Uh, what you're going to be sharing with us is there are a lot of holy ground moments here. Um, you received some very shocking news about your son, Nick, uh, that uh, that was back in 2020. Uh, just unpack the story for us. Sure, yeah. yeah it was uh, November 3rd, 2020, so just about the end of the year when uh, my son, Nick, was a college student, seminary student down at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. We live in Canada, but he had chosen to pursue his studies in the United States. And uh, he was doing well there, enjoying his studies. He'd just gotten engaged and uh, enjoying life, doing well in life. And then one evening, simply collapsed and was gone. And uh, he was with his sister and his fiance and several of the students at the school there. And just in an instant, he was gone and uh, nobody was able to revive him. And so Back here in Canada, we got the uh, the phone call from a doctor expressing his remorse and saying they'd done everything they could do, but they were unable to to revive him. And so that was the beginning of of our uh, of this tragic story. It is Shocking. every parent's worst nightmare. Yeah. I don't want to overuse a cliche, but it really that that is so descriptive. And uh, he was very healthy, right? I mean, he hadn't been dealing with any illnesses, and it just. You talk about something that came out of left field. I I think you received some text, didn't you, in the very beginning, like uh, something's happened to Nick. And uh, what were you thinking at that moment? I know that it's it's a blur a lot of times, and and we're numb when this is happening. What was going through your mind? Yeah, we, we received some text messages early on from uh, a young man who who was there, and. Um, he just wanted to let us know that something had happened with Nick. And so we assumed it was just minor, you know, that Nick had collapsed. They said maybe he had a seizure or something. And, uh, you know, over the next few minutes, the next hour or so, the, the messages got increasingly concerning. And so initially we didn't think too much of it, but by the end we were growing very, very concerned, especially when we learned that uh, they had been doing CPR and an ambulance and had to come and take them off to the hospital. And just this feeling of great helplessness, um, you have to remember the context, too. This was relatively early in the COVID-19 pandemic, mm-hmm. and uh, w- the borders between our two countries were almost locked down, and so it was almost impossible to transition between the borders. So we were just dreading how we 
how we could even get down to, to be with him and to be with his sister as well. Mm-hmm. So the, no underlying conditions that you knew of, his heart just stopped beating. Correct, yeah. And since that happened, we this this does happen. And um, it's like many things in life. Once you're aware of it, you start to see that it does happen from time to time. And uh, hearts can just slip into irregular rhythms and then are unable to continue to function. And unless you have the proper timing and the proper equipment, there's just nothing you can do. And that was what happened with him. You are a writer and uh, I, I love your stuff. I, you know, I just, uh, I, I love the way that you weave theology and um, beautiful words together. And this, you've, you've been a writer pretty much all of your life. And so as you were making your way down here to the United States, the best way for you to begin to process things, even in the very beginning, was to to actually begin writing. And this book, it's it's the first year. It's walking through the year uh, after Nick's death. And so, really, you started writing on that journey down here to the United States, didn't you? Yeah. So, writing has always really been the way, as you said, that I think, that I process things. It's really my form of meditation and also, uh, with the context, there were lots of people I just had to let know that this had happened. And so, as we were on the plane heading down, we were able to find a flight that would take us to the United States. Um, I, I began to write and began to process the, the events and my feelings and uh, questions, doubts, uh, all of that pain through writing. And uh, over the course of the year, I just continued to write and write. And somewhere along the way, started to think, maybe there's a book here. You know, I was writing largely for my own purposes. But then maybe six or eight months in, started to realize that maybe I could pull this together into something that uh, could possibly be helpful to others. Mm. There's no doubt that this is going to be a book. Guys, if you're dealing with grief, the loss of someone you love, this book you must read. It is filled with honesty. Mm. It's filled with beautiful writing. It's almost poetic in some ways. Yeah. And yet it's filled with good biblical theology and doctrine, you know, the firm foundation upon which we can stand, even in the most difficult of times. And as you journeyed through, uh, Tim, all of these these next moments and next steps, I'm sure it was a haze, uh, you know, as you had to take care of everything, you had the memorial service, which was amazing. Um, actually saw the video feed of that for memorial service for your son. Um, you and your wife, um, in the very beginning, I, I know this is an obvious question, and you address this in your book, but as you're disoriented, um, it's natural to ask the question why, you know? And how did you grapple with all of that? And what happened to your faith in those initial moments? Um, everything that you had believed up until that point about the Lord was put to the test, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we definitely had to to think deeply about what had happened and why it had happened and what the Lord was doing through it, and even really who God was. Um, we had lived just very normal and really charmed lives, and I remember several months before this happened, Aileen and I had been talking, and I said, you know, I think we just need to prepare ourselves because the Bible makes it clear that we should expect sorrow and suffering in life. And our lives have really been free of significant pain and sorrow. And so I think we need to be prepared. And I'm not saying that was a premonition or anything, but just an awareness that God often does call us to go through really dark valleys um, in this life. And 
um, this was ours that we had to endure. And God was so patient and so kind and so present with us in it. And we're just, we're so thankful. But um, I was speaking to a, a man a few months ago who was saying that uh, he had passed through something similar. And he said he certainly didn't revoke his faith or anything through his experience, but he did have to renovate his faith. And I thought that mm-hmm. was a helpful way of thinking about it, just that y- you can't be the same. And your your perspective on God is is going to change as well. You're either going to love him more or perhaps walk away from him altogether. Different people respond to tragedy in different ways and say, again, God was so kind and so patient and so present, and we're so thankful for him. You know, I love uh, how you tell the stories and uh, to try and illustrate, for instance, the darkness or putting your back. Uh, you talk about how sometimes you have to row to shore, but you have to have your back to shore, and you can't see anything, and you don't know. You have to trust the guy at the at the stern who is uh, pointing you in the right direction. Uh, you just... It's a beautiful, I'm going to cry, <laughs> but it's a beautiful book. Um, and so thank you for being so honest about that um, and helping us uh, take those steps. But you mentioned um, how uh, higher truths, people brought their higher truths to your deepest sorrows. Mm-hmm. Um, as people who are surrounding people who who have lost Someone, um, how? what are the things we can bring that are really helpful? Not like he's in a better place, but, you know, the things that are truly helpful and not diminishing the sorrow. When we're going through times of deep sorrow, it is very disorienting, and uh, we, we feel storm-tossed. We're, we're, we're unstable. And so I think what we need to give people in those times is something they can cling to, just something that we're going to say, whatever else is happening, this is true. You can rely on this. And for us, we just, we hitched ourselves to the goodness and the sovereignty of God, just things we knew undoubtedly to be true, that that God is good, that his character is good, that he's inclined toward us, that God will never do evil toward us or toward someone he loves, so, so toward Nick. And then also God's sovereignty, that nothing happens in this world apart from God's knowledge. And so we knew then that God hadn't fallen asleep or Satan hadn't pulled one over on God, you know, gotten around his defenses or anything. We knew that in some way this was God's will. And so we could anchor ourselves to those truths and then just begin to extrapolate from there. Okay, if this is true, if these two things are true, what else must be true? And that really did strengthen and stabilize us through this really turbulent and traumatic time. Mm. Tim Challies is our guest. Name of the book is Seasons of Sorrow. It's vitally important that we know what we believe and why we believe it before we head into the storm, before we head into that season. So glad to have Tim Challies with us. He's an author. He's a blogger. He is a pastor as well. And we're talking about his new book, Seasons of Sorrow, The Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God. And Tim and Aileen, his uh, his wife, they received uh, the, the shocking news that their son Nick had passed away back in 2020 a 20-year-old student at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, Louisville, Kentucky, Boys College. He'd been uh, participating in a school activity with his fiancée, his sister, and friends when he fell unconscious and collapsed to the ground. Hmm. And students, or neither students or the passing doctor, as Tim was telling us a few minutes ago, uh, nor the paramedics were able to revive him. And so 
Tim and his wife received uh, the news and, um, you know, Tim, the way that he copes with things, the way God has wired him is he writes them out. That's the way he processes things. And his writing is, is beautiful. And this book is so vitally important in whatever loss you may be sustaining in your life. And Kate, I know we have a lot of folks who are dealing with major losses from the hurricane, obviously, because we have been sharing these stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, deaths and and all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm thinking this book is something that uh, maybe you need. God puts the Uh right books in the right hands at the right moment. And what I'm I'm gleaning for, I'm I'm eating it in small bites, Tim. I'm... uh, (laughs) I'm getting a little bit of the book, and then it fills me up so much I have to wait for a while and process what uh, you've given us to think about. But I think in the end, I'll be a better person to come alongside someone in sorrow, Mm -hmm. and and I just so appreciate that. I want to get another one, keep my copy, and then have one to give to people because it's inevitable that there'll be a terrible loss to Mm -hmm. someone you love. Yeah, well, thank you. And I think in all of our sorrows, all of our griefs, whether that's uh, a hurricane passing through our area and leaving its devastation or losing a child, there's so much in common um, because all of these griefs uh, come upon us because we live in a fallen world and uh, we as Christians are not immune to the sorrow and suffering that comes with it. And uh, whatever whatever grief you're going through, whatever sorrow, I do think um, any book on grief or sorrow will be helpful to you because there is that that commonality. And one of the things we do is keep a couple copies of the book with us as we go to the cemetery. We go there just to tend to Nick's grave, and we give away the book there to people who are uh, clearly going through a hard time. That feels a little odd, and yet we're uh, glad to have something we can give to people. Uh, so few people at a cemetery have any true hope. They're hoping, they're wishing, they're you know, wishing upon a star, um, but they don't have true hope grounded in in the true God. And so we're we're so thankful to have something we can give to people. That's great. When you guys were at the cemetery, uh, something very interesting happened. Someone approached you as you were standing at your son's grave. Tell us that story. Sure, yeah. Um, the, the day that Nick would have been married, and so he had gotten engaged and planned his wedding, and uh, we came to that day. Of course, Nick had had been um, dead for quite some time by then, but we came to that day and I wanted to go to the cemetery and just, we were so broken that day. And, you know, we had grieved our loss. We had grieved the past, but this was the first time we had come to something that we now knew would never be, something we've been looking forward to. Nick's future was represented there. And yet, of course, that wouldn't happen. And so we were just especially broken and, and sorrowful that day. And so we went to the cemetery and Aileen and I were just standing there, just just weeping. And I heard somebody speak my name and turned around and there was a couple coming toward us. And it turns out that they've been reading the website and they had uh, lost a son as well. And he was buried just a couple of rows over. And so uh, God just providentially worked things that they were there that day. And we've never seen them before or since, but they came up to us. And best of all, they just prayed for us. They just prayed down comfort upon us. And Eileen's often said that was the first time she really knew that God was with us, the first time she just deeply felt God's presence with us in our sorrow and really knew that it was going to be okay because he was so clearly, he had so clearly arranged circumstances to bless us. And your daughters, 
Um, they both had different, but they lost their brother. I saw a picture of uh, them, and he looked like a great big brother. How are, how can people help the siblings, too, in a situation like this? Yeah, thanks for asking. I think siblings can sometimes be a little bit overlooked uh, because of the grief of the parents. But uh, I think just as much the same reaching out to them with truth. Um, they need to be anchored to something almost by definition. They'll have a faith that's less grounded and less mature just because they're they're younger. And one of the most lovely things we saw was older people reaching out to our daughters. And so in Abby's case, adults at the seminary reaching out to her and um, blessing her, comforting her, spending time with her. And then for Michaela, who was at home with us, some of the older girls from the church just came and um, spent time with her, took her out for walks, just sat outside and, and really just heard her heart and ministered to her that way. So just that ministry of being present and that ministry of being mm-hmm. a mature, godly person who can love and pray and counsel was just so precious. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to grab on to the truths that we have deposited into our soul and our mind during the good days so that we can make withdrawals, if, yes. withdrawals, if you will, from mm-hmm. that account when we face the difficult times, you know, when you're at your best, prepare for your worst. And that uh, that takes us back to the whole idea of why I believe what I say I believe. And I think that some of us can fall into the trap of uh, bumper sticker theology, and maybe it's like, you know, God is good all the time, all the time God is good. In your book, you write about that phrase, and you're, it's a very honest um, look at that, at, at what that really means and how something like that, that seems maybe like a Christian cliche, met you in a very powerful moment, in a very powerful way. Yeah, because uh, when we're when we're at our worst, sometimes we just need to anchor ourselves to the simplest truths. And when we're in times of deep grief and loss, we, we just aren't ourselves. You know, we have cloudy minds and disquieted hearts, and um, even our bodies can react negatively and surprise us. And so um, those simple truths really can be a blessing and can sustain us because those simple truths are just a simple phrasing of something that's very, very true and very important. And so something like, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Yeah, it's a, it's a simple phrase, one you teach to children, and yet it represents such wonderful truth. It, it represents the entire gospel that God has sent His Son to die for us, and that um, because of the cross, uh, we, we have true life, true hope. Because of the resurrection, we can believe that, that Nick didn't just disappear into the ether, but he's alive at the, the side of God. And so we have such wonderful deep truths that can be summarized in these little phrases. We can just fall back on those and believe them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking about uh, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself, the Bible says. But, uh, you know, if it does fall to the ground and die, then it produces much fruit. And we never know the mind of God, and there's never just one answer as much as we grapple with these things. But Tim, I just keep thinking about the impact of Nick's life as you have presented his story, because I do believe that this book will be a book that will be, I don't want to be overly dramatic here, I just want to be honest, it's almost like a book for the ages, and will bless many people, uh, you know, on down the line, and boy, at what cost, 
you know, and yet God is is using this. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. And one thing we've we've really wanted to distinguish between in our in our grief is um, why this happened and how God is using it. So God doesn't open up his mind to the point where he'll tell us why this happened, why it was his goodwill that Nick would live just 20 years instead of the full 80 we we would expect. We don't know that. And I don't think God's going to reveal that, at least on this side of the grave. And that's that's fine. The secret things belong to the Lord. But what we can see is how God is using it. And we can just rejoice in those things, whether he's using it to call people to himself or to motivate young people to understand the brevity of life or even in our family, just to make us better Christians, to give us deeper resolve that we'll live for the Lord and then um, exit this world we trust as as easily and as um, Christianly as Nick did, you know, to stay anchored to the Lord and to his word. So mm-hmm. um, God is using it, and we're thankful for that. Yeah. Tim, what can I say? Uh, we're so grateful you made time to be with us. Uh, I'm grateful for your ministry over the years, and um, I, I just— I know that we have a lot of people who are listening by divine appointment this morning who needed to hear some things that you were presenting, and and we're just scratching the surface. There's so much more uh, in your book. Uh, Tim, you're always welcome to join us. I hope you'll be back at some point. Uh, I so appreciate you. Thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome.